0: Recorded in the darkest dungeons of the Basement of Death studio, Josh, Troy, and Ty present a show dedicated to bringing you, the listener, into the adventure right along with them. Pick up your sword or load your bolt gun, but don't forget your helmet, because it is time for some playin' and slayin'. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is your Halloween special of playing and Slayin'. Ooh. Tonight we're going to talk about nothing except for ghosts and werewolves and zombies. Is that true? No, no. <laughs> just kidding. Live from the BOD studio, it is playing and slaying Tonight... We are actually going to talk about what we've been playing, hobbying, kickstarting, other geekery, purchasing. Um, I'm sure there's probably more kickstarting, <laughs> kickstartering. Is that the verb? Sure. Uh, then we're going to circle back to something we did talk about before, Critical Core, which was a Kickstarter, um, probably back over the summertime, yeah, spring like that. Or, I don't yeah, know, yeah, earlier a while year. back. Year. If we say earlier this year, yeah, I think we're earlier this year. Yeah. Um, And one of the things they they recently have been uh, talking about is RPG Rituals. So Critical Core um, has a series of questions and and things you do when starting the session. Um, So we'll kind of talk about the framework of that as our main topic and how it applies to perhaps our own games or what what of those things may be beneficial um, to use. Then we're going to do a player slate review of a map making tool called Dungeon Fog. Uh, Dungeon Fog originally had been a Kickstarter, so this is just a, a good chance to look at a, a subscription type thing and make the determination if you um, as an individual may want to use it. Uh, and it is a, a free. there's free options as well. So obviously we're going to get into is it really worth playing with it for free or do you want to buy the, the subscription? Um, and along the way, we're going to have a lot of ghostly Halloween type uh, stuff thrown in. Josh has promised during editing um, in post production he will be adding uh, spooky noises and music in uh, periodically. I for I didn't do that. I didn't uh, say that. <laughs> 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 All right. When you're playing and slaying, it is important to stay hydrated. Josh, you have a beer bottle in your in your mitt. What are you drinking?
1: I am drinking Koning, excuse me, Kona Brewing Company from Hawaii, uh, Kona Big Wave. I like it as a golden ale. It's delicious.
0: You have to get your surfboard from mm-hmm. outside and bring it in. And hang loose, man. Yeah. Now are you going to hang 10 or 5 tonight? Um, both of them. Both. Wonderful. Troy, you also have a beer bottle in front of you. Um what what are you guzzling?
2: I'm it, I guess it's a beer.
0: Um it is New
2: Grist. It's gluten-free beer made with water, rice, sorghum, hops and yeast. I guess you need the hops and yeast part otherwise it really isn't beer, right? Yeah. Um and it's just a pilsner. It's light. I don't know. I decided to go gluten-free.
0: But gluten-free.
1: It's actually not bad. Like, no, it is
2: a good. It's a nice. I mean it's light, crisp. It's mm-hmm. a
1: good Ty, what do you got?
0: I have a glass with beer in it. Um, It's pretty good. It's one of my favorites. It's called Third Space Oktoberfest. This is the Oktoberfest that last fall, I believe, I declared unseated Octillion as the Mm -hmm. king of all Oktoberfests. And I stand by that. And if you disagree, come fight me or at me on Twitter and let's have a, a, a heated debate where I tell you you're wrong and that's all I say. And then I drink my beer and I enjoy it. It is very good. It's good. I
2: have to. I did not put it head to head with Octillion, though. I had we did a big taste test of
0: local uh, Oktoberfest well beers, if, and I didn't. If you know want, it. Troy, any night, I'll meet you at Third Space in in beautiful downtown Milwaukee, and we will uh, we will have a Third Space Oktoberfest, and then I'll I'll let you smuggle in. Yeah, Octillion. I feel like it's
2: like uh, like you're on. It's not neutral territory.
0: Well, like, like I said, I'd have a heated debate with you. So let's have an internet fight or show up in Third Space.
3: <laughs> I think we have an internet, ch- internet, internet, internet fight. Internet
0: fight. <laughs> <laughs> episode 38 is our last episode because me and Troy have a horrible falling out over which is the better Oktoberfest beer. And if, if our show was ever to go down in flames, that's what it would be over. Like yeah, something yep. silly about beer yep. or like yep. an RPG-like moment where, you know, Troy's character fireballs the rest of the party and then he just walks, walks away. Yeah, and drop the mic and walk away. Wearing drop the out. wand and <laughs> walk Drops away. the wand, walks away wearing a pair of Wranglers. Off into the sunset. Yeah. To ride his John Deere. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why am yeah. I Brett Farr? <laughs> I don't <laughs> understand. <what? laughs> All right. What have we been playing? I don't even recognize this first game. Somebody, somebody, educate me. Quacks of Quetlinburg is uh,
2: Euro disguised as a real game. <laughs> um,
0: Euro disguised as a real game.
2: Yep, it's fun. Is what I'm trying to say. Oh wow. Um,
0: Hot take. Yeah. <laughs> so what is cool about the
2: and I I ended up playing this. I was on. I was at uh, work and we actually ended up having a game night. I, Found some people in that uh, this uh, training thing I was at for a week, uh, like-minded other gamers that we went and played this one evening. So uh, I guess so he introduced this to me. It is you are I think you're like a wizard. You're trying to build potions, uh, and oh, well, players are charlatans, I guess. Um, so you're making your secret brew, which really doesn't have anything, and it's basically a you know a point. You're trying to create points. What? Is there all these different ingredients that you're putting in your potion? So you have a bunch of different counters and different that you end up in. There's like a buy phase, and each of the components has a different color, and it basically has I think a number on it of like how many spaces you go. And then they go into a bag. So you have all the ingredients you go, and they go into your bag. You're basically building your engine, which is going to be the different kind of ingredients that you put in the bag. Then you get to like the play phase where you basically pull out. The different ingredients and each of them then you're putting on your board which is really kind of uh what do you call it it's a circle that kind of extends loops its way out and that score the board scores basically from one to however many like a spiral spiral out and so you'll pull out a piece and it'll have a three on it and so you put it in the third space and you pull out the next piece and it has a two on it and so you put it on the five space and basically there are certain ingredients that basically once you pull those out, it stops your turn. So there's so many like white counters or something in there. And once you pull out your third one of those, that ends your turn. So you're kind of balancing. It's kind of a little bit of a, and if you pull out the third one, it's kind of a press your luck a little bit. Cause if you pull out that third one, you basically lose. Uh, I think you have to choose. You basically lose the ability of either you don't get to score your thing or you don't get to do a buy phase or something else like this. So there's a penalty to kind of going too far. So there's a little bit of pressing press your luck. So. Um. So, it's, uh, it's kind of, I think the pre- the combination of the press your luck, kind of building the engine out of the thing, to me made it kind of fun. Not just like, you know, not a normal Euro where you're building an engine and kind of scoring points because so, there's mm-hmm. this kind of cool. And the ingredient list is variable. So, there's the beginning of the game, you pull out different cards and they kind of tell you how to set it up. So, each game kind of has a little different, I mean, so the ingredients that would go in your engine are a little different. So, even... So you have to kind of figure, out, okay, well, what am I going to do this time um, to make it to make it out? And then basically play like a set number, like ten turns, I also like that because it has a pretty finite like uh, time length, and that's about it, man. And you can play kind of simultaneously. like your turns, you do the buy phase, I think, but most of the turns are actually more simultaneous. Like everybody kind of does a buy, and you do the draw phase, and, and then you kind of score it out. Um, so it goes fairly quickly, even though there's a lot, a lot going on. So it was one of those so i was i was who, like wow this is that kind one? of fun uh that is uh, i have it in front of me quacks of quedlinburg it is by, by. come on you can do it quacks of quedlinburg
1: <laughs> by <laughs> two That's
0: to five players
2: two to five players two
0: to four two to five Okay.
2: How come Board Game Geek does not have? Oh like,
0: wow! Now we're doing Ooh. now we're doing rips on BGG. Harsh. Yeah,
2: like how come they don't? Where am
0: I not
1: reading the? Where do the ducks come into play? Well, uh, I,
2: quacks is like because you're you're,
0: cause you're Charlotte. You're like you're, a bad doctor. Yeah, right. You're like a quack.
1: So where are the ducks then?
0: No ducks. Oh, people that are are scammers can be this, called quacks. My. So it's a bunch of quacks. But usually they have ducks. Whew. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back to the quacks. Uh, uh Wolfgang
2: Warsh is the designer and I think he's also done some other stuff if I was more up on my
0: We're we're going to have to we're going to have to just let Troy kind of like
1: noodle us around
0: noodle around for a while and we can talk about what we've been playing have you got anything to the table recently josh played some gloomhaven yeah yeah with you oh that's right and, and troy and with troy and
1: friend of the show marlon
0: is he though does he listen he doesn't do podcasts he's a he friend does. he does listen a occasionally friend of he, the group he listens occasionally no yeah. he said he doesn't do podcasts he was very public about it
1: yeah well he th- honestly he's listened that's hmm. what he told me questionable We'll see all right add us Add us Marlon if you listen to this <laughs>
0: <laughs> um yeah, so we sat down uh, it had been a while since we played and we did the intro adventure um I know Josh we and we have both talked about it a little bit in the past but mm-hmm. um, if if Troy's done researching quacks of Quetlinburg, we could. No, ask I'm him
2: like it, board game geek that. is driving me crazy because it's only giving me wow. like the German publisher, and second. I can't figure out like how to tell me like it's got it does have a U.S. distribution person, and I can't figure out
0: what. it let's, is, but let's do this, Troy. Talk to Josh about um Gloomhaven, about Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven experience. So this is my
2: it. first Gloomhaven experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so the game that had been very hyped and excited to play. Mm-hmm. and we got in and we i enjoyed it um i wasn't sure about uh, you know it's like what are the mechanics and is it going to be just kind of a dungeon crawl i found the me- the combat mechanic to me was so much fun like that the way you use your cards for different things and how they represent you kind of getting tired and as you go through the battle like each turn you lose a card and that so you have to kind of make more and more decisions and the you use something, what, the top of one card and the bottom. And so you're looking at the different combinations and how some of the cards, you only get one, you know, one big attack. Well, then it's going to go out of your deck and out of your hand. So I feel like there's a lot. I can see why people, while you can, in the end, a dungeon crawl and you're kind of doing the same thing kind of over and over. But there's so much kind of in the combat and strategy around how you're going to use your cards in combat and how we work together, right? Like a good mm-hmm. dungeon party, like you couldn't, there were times like, hey, I can't. You can't do it on your own and don't get caught out by yourself otherwise the you know like a lot of times i think josh you run in the tank and we, we'd like thinking like he's really the tank and we put him in front and then the ai from the monster like <laughs> just crush oh, me. look yeah. he's got 85 into arrows in him maybe i'll <laughs> heal him and then go to the back and maybe we shouldn't just have you be the out there by yourself so i i i thought that was interesting i can see why people really really like the game i can see why, why it's different like i don't can't think of another thing that's kind of the same in that from the that combat and how it works out and and that's just scratching the surface like right. I mean, ty like you said there's mm-hmm. a whole legacy component and we're like and there's so many more characters and so yeah, i can see why that why
0: Gloom yeah. gloomhaven is gloomhaven i mean yeah. it's it's over 200 hours of gameplay when it comes down to it what um what is interesting of note what i wanted to add is isaac childress the designer is working on um and it might be out or it's coming out soon is like a Gloomhaven streamlined. It's um, mm-hmm. it's like twenty five uh, adventures and playable in less time, so people can access you know the core of what it is, but not the huge long epic level campaign in a more consumable uh, version. That's cool. Yeah, and how much is that like
2: a lost? Not even say a lost leader, right? But that's going to be a stepping. So like, how many people are going to play that? And then they're like, oh, now I can dive into, the, who wouldn't yeah. even consider, right, the big board game, people who would be scared off. And yeah. and because I think Gloomhaven has some, a little bit of crossover possibility, right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of people that are kind of, you know, maybe they're just role players. They don't do a lot of board game kind of stuff. And they're probably intimidated by the giant yeah. <laughs> Gloomhaven thing. But it's a lot.
0: That. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, There's a lot there. Uh, there's also an app app integ- integration, um, Gloomhaven, which looks pretty cool. Yeah. Um, out there either coming soon or in, in beta might be even out. I don't know, but it, it's a IP that lends itself to a lot of adaptation and, you know, different, um, different avenues than the traditional board game. Yeah. I would forgotten how much I really
1: liked it. Um, and well, I mean, <laughs> we've talked about it and we've glowing reviews, but I, I kind of forgotten how much I truly, truly enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, I was really glad that we got it to the table
0: um North Star Games by the way yeah, I, quacks of I, thank you ty cuz I just figured that out too well, well yeah. done
2: and it is the 2018 uh Kennerspiel de Jaras winner so that's, that's uh, so other people like the game too Is probably what that means at least in germany at least
0: the committee that votes on that Mm-hmm. other other people they qualify <laughs> as other people <laughs> um excellent you also did some other uh board games when you were on your work yeah so, expedition
2: so i will kind of go in that because the other game we played out there was azul which i think we've we've talked about in the past and that's um the game where you pull out the tiles another pull stuff out of a bag i don't know that must have been our theme for the for the evening um what was interesting is we had brought me and another guy and he was from toronto which is funny and he was like a hardcore gamer and then we brought another guy who is actually from the Dominican Republic. Um, he's, he was just curious, like, "Hey, I want to come when I understand this gaming kind of thing." So we started with the Zool, which is kind. Of, I, it's fairly straightforward. There's a lot of strategy to it, right? You're pulling out the tiles. You have to place them on your board, and as you fill up different rows, then you come over and you fill out the pattern. And then you score different points as you as you pull them over, um, and we'll go super deep into it because I think we've talked about it before. But so it's interesting. We started with that, thinking that's kind of an interesting gateway game. Um, and he was like, "Oh, you know, that was interesting." And then we played Quacks and Quetlinburg, and that was the game he actually really enjoyed, which was funny because you're like, "Well, that's almost you know, that's got some hardcore Euro stuff to it." Um, so that was interesting, just to bring somebody who, again, he kind of you know definitely had some. Interesting kind of stuff. So, but to have him kind of dive into a little bit of a d- deeper game was good. But where we played is when I would touch. I was out in Albuquerque, New Mexico for the first time ever. And we found a place called the Empire Board Game Library, which is right near the University of New Mexico, which is probably why there's a board game library. And this was kind of a pay to play kind of place. So you went in, uh, large, um, you know, huge library of different games and interesting, very. Um, organized very well like each game section had a little sticker on it like where it is and and what was what didn't make me feel bad at all about i think he paid two two or three dollars an hour for how long you were there plus it was a cafe i think we got like drinks and some people somebody actually ate um so decent food in terms of service but a lot of really uh, concierge type service from from the board game kind of place so like a lot of very helpful staff in terms of what do we like that when we were getting quacks and quetlinburg we had played a and then we we're like eh, what should we play another thing um walked us through kind of had it, like what do you think what do you get kind of like walked us through picked out different options we said oh yeah let's play quacks of quetlinburg we had heard about that um but neither of us had played it he brought it to the table basically did the rodney um thing broke up help us do the whole setup Walked us through the rules, kind of the first turn, said, Hey, if you need help or questions, let me know, whatever. So, I mean, I was just super impressed, at, which about, you know, they kind of served, which made sense, right? Because I think if it was like I go in kind of a typical, like some of the places around here, I pull a game off the shelf and whatever, why am I paying two or $3 an hour, right, for that? But, mm-hmm. Um, the level of service, which I had never had in like a, I guess I'd never been to a board game, real cafe before, um, was outstanding. I mean, the, the guy that helped us was, was really good. Um, yeah. And so, which got us up and running for Quacks and Quetlinburg, you know, like that. And we knew how to play the game and often going. So, so it's only helpful to people who are in Albuquerque, New Mexico, but I think it also (laughs) might, (laughs) but I think it was a really interesting, like, I, I'm sure that that experience is in other places um, around the country and some of these different board games cafe. But I think that would be my, like, I, again, I don't know that I would go to a place if it was just like, I'm renting a game. Um, I think you do have to kind of back it up with, right. Some service or, and some, some helpful staff. I think that, that definitely made it. And so, so it's really cool for, uh, my first experience at a board game library. So <laughs> Maybe we should start one. That'll be our,
1: I like it.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't know that that'll pay the bills. That might be okay. like a, a retirement plan we open up.
2: You don't think $2 an hour for the four people
0: that come in for the... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Plus drinks. Plus drinks, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Board Game Library, new career pursuit. Divided by the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like it's ramen again tonight. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, so I haven't been doing much board gaming outside of Gloomhaven, um, but... Uh, playing a bit of mage. We are kind of working on getting to a spot where we can suspend our mage campaign for a while to work on some other stuff. Um, But I've been playing that pretty regularly. Um, And it it brings up just an interesting point as you know you're coming to kind of a stopping point. We're trying to get it to somewhere we can still return to. Mm -hmm. So there's that I don't know if it's just me but there's that urge to like kind of do wilder things, like really push <laughs> push limits a little bit because you're coming towards a stopping point. Yeah. But then it's also being mindful of the characters and like the the world you've built to like yeah. understand this is just a a real life like pause, yeah. not a, you know, end of end of the world type scenario. Yeah. Um but that that's been fun. So we have a few more sessions before we're going to uh, kind of transition to some other stuff, but um, I also picked up Borderlands Three uh, when that had come out for the the PlayStation Four, and I've been playing that. Um, it's it's pretty interesting because the voice acting in that mm-hmm. franchise. I don't know if you're familiar, but I'm the character that's voiced by uh, Chris Hardwick oh. in like <laughs> kind of a Scottish type accent or something. Yeah. So like. It's just interesting. All the other characters, there's a lot of really good voice actors. And recognizing some of them from other other things and other work. Um, so playing a bit of Borderlands. Going to try to get that through the winter until Last of Us 2 and then Cyberpunk 2077 comes out where I don't know if I'll do anything except for play video games when <laughs> those two games land. So not a lot of analog board gaming. No AOS since Nashcon. It's been kind of a... A very dead board gaming hobby, gaming streak for me.
2: The last that's like only like a month.
0: Yeah, a little over. Yeah, but um.
2: We did Gloomhaven.
0: Yeah, that's it though. That was, well, I'm just that saying his only... AOS,
2: like AOS. Oh AOS, playing os yeah. for like six weeks. It's
0: probably like yeah. the longest break you've had for mm-hmm. a while.
1: You get the shakes.
0: Yeah. No, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> um, we actually were, we, we did not make it to circle city. So we were going to be going to the circle city clash, but some stuff came up and, um, we decided if one person from the team couldn't go, we just weren't going to go. So looked like they had fun, um, at the event, but our, our team did not, uh, did not attend. We were a, a last minute drop. So, um, Somebody else played another game, and then I'm going to get into the the really fun part that at least one person listens for.
2: Um, so I threw on here. We I did play Downforce a little bit. I think I might have talked about it before, though. Um, so again, if Downforce is a racing game by um, uh, Restoration Games, it's really a it's their version of they kind of took an old game and they sped it up. Uh, it's basically racing with betting. So basically, you buy and it's not, and you get a team of cars, and then. The card movement, which is similar to a Reiner Knizia game um, that I also have, an older one, where each card moves all the cars, and so it's strategy around kind of making the best play for the cars you want to win and the least good for the cars you don't want to win. And uh, and then the scoring is not is a combination of how much like the how how good your car is placed, one or two. You can either have one or two cars. How cars you're placed. How good the cars you bet on place. So in other words, it, three times during the race you can place bets on who you think is going to win. Um, I think first, second, or third, or at least win. Um, and then your final score is kind of the points you got from that, the points you got from betting minus the points you got to buy your car because it's kind of a bidding, um, bidding more to to or an auction to kind of get your cars in those. So real interesting, I real interesting game. I like tend to like racing board games in general, and that's it. Just has a little different spin on it. And, uh, and uh, again, you can play with uh, fairly many people. So, uh, and nice components again. Uh, when restoration games redoes something, they kind of do it top notch. So, really cool. So I, I don't remember how, I think I may have talked about it before. But again, really nice game if you want if you're into racing games. And and again, it's something also that has a really low barrier entry. So kind of one of those kind of uh, gateway kind of games too.
1: Cool.
0: And now what everyone is waiting for. We're going to do tonight's Dungeons & Dragons recap, brought to you by Mr. Mephisto. So, last time, I have no idea what we told everyone where we were at, but I think we talked about live D&D?
1: Yep. I think that sounds right.
0: Yep. So it was basically finish the big combat in the throne room, mm-hmm. and then from there you guys kind of cleaned up... Um, Bryce's uh, Diviner had a conversation after um, basically magically binding a, a harmless woman that was a, looked like perhaps a captive, if not a trophy, of the, the frost giant Jarl. Um, well, the rest of the group explored around and found a bunch of treasure that you guys decided you can't use because you only have one melee class. So a DM must be a real monster if he gives you a bunch of really cool, awesome magic weapons and armor and stuff um, when nobody nobody mm. can use it. He is a monster. <laughs> uh, and then you guys negotiated with another one of the Frost Giants to kind of watch over the keep. Got some information about where to go to uh, find the Ring of Winter. So you began a overland march through... a really inhospitable terrain and weather oh you fought a uh you went back and fought a dragon oh there. yeah i That's forgot right. about that yep where paul's um d- d- druid with air quotes um <laughs> the drow mage disguised as a, a elven druid um, who's he really disguised from anymore? since the whole party no, yeah, no, knows no one, no no one knows now oh, okay but just yeah. saying, he's still disguised. Yeah. yeah, you still don't know why he's disguised <laughs> or what he was doing. But um, so he tried to solo the dragon for three turns as your buffs all tick down <laughs> by going up top and getting trapped up there and nearly died. Yeah, um, which is pretty cool. I <laughs> killed two of you guys during that dragon combat, though. Yep, I mm-hmm. died. So that was the highlight of my year. <laughs> um, Tom's cleric actually had to use. Um, whatever oh, yeah. raised it, not yeah, raised, whatever, uh, yeah, fire the fire or whatever. Kind to, of the, yeah, the cheap version of raised yeah, to save the, the, the dead guys when you're only mostly dead. Mm-hmm. So then you started heading out towards the other keep where you found a massive rift. Uh, you learned some information. Three of the party did a, everybody everybody's sleeping. Let's think a run to candle keep. So they teleported back and had a candle keep mini adventure, got some info on dragons and the ring of winter itself. Um, And then you guys came in to this huge rift with these gems that was like a null magic zone with a ton of enemies and spent a long time trying to figure out what you're going to do there. If you're going to break in a different way, if you're going to whatever, ultimately you realized charging in would be pretty bad. And then the ancient dragon pinned you in Mm. and you teleported out. And that's where the, the drow in disguise Mm. thought, well, maybe we can get there through the underdark. And that's where we are now in the Underdark. Um, And what I just want to reference is, and I'll talk a little bit more about this. I spent some time talking to Andrew about D&D on the Rantcast, Mr. Mephisto. And we talked about subverting expectations of your players and your party. So I'd been kind of working on the Underdark loop for a while. um, And I was anticipating you guys... Either throwing yourselves recklessly into the fight and maybe losing a few and then backing out, or I wasn't sure exactly how you were going to handle You're that. Like, how stupid but, are these guys? Well, that's what he was thinking. It was basically yep. like the intent was set up something that appears not like just not possible. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a yep. fight we can't win. Yet you guys still tried to like engineer it into a way where you participate in the fight. And I'm like, I think this I, is weird. So I think we all thought there was some sort of
1: something we were missing. I, I, that, that's where I was at. I was like, "What am What am I missing?" There's got to be some
0: sort of yeah, and there was. There's in, yeah. there's other ways in you know, outside yeah. of the underdark too. Yeah, other you know, past things you could have done.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it it just seemed like a cool puzzle. I, I yeah. think that mm-hmm. was. It's like, all right, how can we? And some of it is like even maybe things ways ties hasn't thought of. Like other ways we can think of that would mm-hmm. work. To, yeah. So it was like, how could we? Yeah. What What's this puzzle? But it also felt like yeah we. Also, like, we need time to think
1: about this puzzle. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> Staring at these uh, yeah. the orcs uh, is not going to help us no. here, especially with this dragon flying in after us.
0: So, mm-hmm. yep. Um, but yeah, so now you're in the Underdark being led by one of the Drow, uh, a path that he has not really told anyone um, what you face, but I spelled it out to him. There's kind of three ways he could go, and he chose the um, mind flared filled labyrinthian way so i'm sure that'll be fun mind flayers <laughs> elder brains they're always fun
3: mm-hmm.
0: but we'll see we'll see what happens um in subsequent underdark mm-hmm. exploration yeah. um how many times akachi will refuse to sell his flaming at great axe
2: mm-hmm. yeah i, I kind of like the underdark there's mushroom sandwiches <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah,
0: it is. It is fun because it's given me a chance to use uh, some of the material out from out of the abyss. So, kind of being able to reference some of the stuff from one of the uh, adventure books that I think is interesting, but I don't know if I'd ever actually like run that adventure because it's a little weird. But there are elements of it that have helped yeah. influence and kind of some choices that I've, I can take. So that's cool. D and D fun but game. You got to close it out, and that is tonight's Dungeons and Dragons Recap, brought to you by Mr. Mephisto.
1: At Mr. Meph, Mr. Underscore Meph.
0: At Mr. Underscore Meph on Twitter. Yeah. Not Facebook. Twitter. Twitter. And then I hear the music in the background, and I'm like, yeah, music's gonna take me out. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Hobby. Who is I was down doing some hobby stuff.
1: I was hobbying a little bit. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Tom was going to borrow my flesh eater quartz for Circle City. So, um, I didn't have a Crip gas courtier. Um. So I quick. I had I had an idea and I had parts of it already done. So I kind of just assembled and painted and
0: finished it up. So. Is actually a ploy just for you to keep working on stuff. It's good. (laughs) It it
1: it totally got me going, so that's awesome. Um, And then, yeah, I had some Crip flares and a vargolf um, and and basing to do for those, so I kind of started doing all that as well. So, yeah, I am kind of half in the project of those, and I had the um, the Crip gas cordier uh, like all ready for Tom, but I wanted to kind of work on those other things too. So, no, it was good. That's kind of been my hobby for the most part.
2: I've actually been hobbying and I broke, I had started, I think I talked about, I did an Armager, which is the little tiny knight for 40 uh, K. Um, he's not little tiny. He's like the mini knight model that we use for the airbrush class. And so in the airbrush class, we got it. We did like, the major parts of the armor and everything else but i had never like finished assembling them and like do the last and get the armor on them and do the trim and everything else like that so finally was motivated to pull that out and put the finishing touches on him and and uh throw them out there so that was that
1: felt good is um, that a, f- a model for 40k or is that for yeah okay cool um
2: and yeah it's not the little, little ones like um titanicus it's yeah the, okay the, it's yeah the that's sort of what i was wondering 40K. it's not the it's like a 14 it's the smaller ones cool the little guys i'm just not familiar with the name so yep. yeah yeah cool. so it's about the size of like a dreadnought a little bigger than a dreadnought cool um so got that which ended up looking pretty cool and then working on going to dragonfall uh the gentleman's tournament there which is just like a three three thing so putting in also for eric and i doing a, our kind of escalation league kind of thing with (laughs) a few of us a couple of us enough to do it Uh, but that's at least motivating me to get them out and so i have about 20 guys i want to kind of add in for the genius of the cult uh, some of the new guys and actually add in a bunch of special weapons because i have most of my army i had were guys and they didn't have any of the cool like saw rock saws and things like that that actually work and make it a really cool army so adding all those built all those guys and they're Primed and work my way through them in the next two weeks, something like that. I gotta get those guys in good shape for later this month. So,
0: yeah, I need to um, get a sprint on for Havoc. I got a week longer than you, um, but I've got a concept for my warlord, and uh, and then one more hero, an ally for my my army um, to kind of connect the forces that Bryce and I are bringing. Um, so. Got to do the build, and it's it's a lot of conversion work on both of them, and then paint them. So, um, looking at twenty days, it'll probably come down pretty close to the wire. But I'm gonna I'm gonna try to start doing some, you know, you hobby, might have to do some hobby, hobby, hobby time, hangouts hobby so focus, that we can yeah. uh, motivate each other. Yeah, just gotta be regimented about it. I mean, I I haven't done like real hobby in several months, and it's it's kind of like okay i can do this i can get back to (laughs) to building models painting models um i keep thinking i'm going to i do a day or two and then i don't for a month so um yeah and then uh i'm doing some world building so i'm keeping writing and kind of designing cities and places and npcs and deities and um just having some fun with with that and uh, using dungeon fog, which we're going to play at mm-hmm. or say uh, for some map making utilities and stuff. So having a lot of fun with that creation. Cool. And 3d printing is happy, I guess. Yeah. We're
2: calling. Sure. Uh, and so I've been, I printed a, um, did end up doing a bunch of stuff for Brendan and which went out easy. He just has wanted some cool stuff. So I, I won't spoil it in case he's hiding that. Um, so I did some stuff, and then I was continuing to do some other stuff that I was going to do for Bryce and next for myself. Uh, and in wonderful Murphy's Law, did like a 55-hour print of some terrain stuff. Basically, in about the last half hour, it clogs it and kind of wrecks what you've seen kind of stuff. So I had to do something, and then I just kind of like, whatever. And I, so I let it sit there for probably a week. <laughs> just mad. Mad, yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, I need to. And I kind of do. I'm like, oh, it's clogged and whatever. And I actually ended up. So I ended up having a guy to go through. And I guess I've had that for almost a year, probably about 10 months, uh, without any real problems on my Ender 3. So I can't complain too much. And I just had to kind of go in and replace the nozzle. And then I actually had to replace some of the, what they call Bowden tube, which is the tube that the stuff runs through because it was the end was all. Kind of probably all. What happens is it gets worn, it gets a little rough, and then the filament kind of gets stuck in there, and that's how you get some kind of clogs. But uh looks like I got that figured out, and got to do a little bit of just uh, uh line it all up again, and kind of do a little bit of um, leveling and stuff like that. But it looks like it's back in shape and, and going again. But so not too bad. But it's another you know, the hobby
0: inside the hobby. So <laughs> <laughs> get the the slaves working again. <laughs> All right. Kickstarter. Let's uh let's zip through this and then we can we can keep going. Any campaigns you guys are looking at interested in fulfilling. So I
2: think I saw that one was interesting. I don't know if it's actually still going on is the Root RPG and you guys have played Root more than I have. Um but I just thought it was interesting that they're doing an RPG with the the different Root races. That um, world. That's um, cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I'd, I'd be interested cuz it's it's like one forest. It's kind of limited in you know what the fat I, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't seen that one. So Yeah, and I a, I
2: haven't dug too more. I was more of like making bring it to your awareness cuz I'm yeah. like, "Oh,
0: that's an interesting uh, I think I saw something I thought, "Huh, cuz it it just doesn't feel like
2: <laughs> like is there enough there? <laughs> like there's a
0: a whole world there, but maybe could be it's interesting. just a forest. You have to stay in in the little forest. Yeah, you can't you can't leave the forest.
2: <laughs> uh, this next one, I did throw something, and I thought it was interesting, where Simon kind of announced that they were cleaning out the warehouse, or like somebody stumbled in and like, look, we still have stuff left over from these old Kickstarters, um, which was like Zombicide, Black Plague, and I think it was Hate and something else uh, together, and they just kind of did a really quick. I think it was only like a week and. And it was just like, you can order, I think the new thing, because in Kickstarter to be legal, right? You always have to have some new thing that you're doing. I think they're actually doing like um, a soundtrack or something for the different games that was available and some kind of like an art, maybe an art book for each. So that was part of it. But then there was also stuff that from the old Kickstarters that you could kind of pick up as kind of the time machine. That's what they meant. So that you could get stuff that was only available in those Kickstarters in there. Uh, And I think it's still available in a late pledge. You can still go in and you want to get some black plague uh whatever the the bull guys or something else like that or something for hate or anything else like that there's a few things that are in there so
0: it was interesting and i think
2: i grabbed a couple things from black plague that i didn't have before
0: i'm gonna put my soapbox on the floor quick (laughs) because that feels just wrong to me (laughs) like we're gonna use kickstarter which is a vehicle where you really should Mm -hmm. be like launching projects and and cmon for what it's worth i know we all like back Mm -hmm. their stuff but they're really at the point where you don't need the raise ten million dollars yeah. via Kickstarter to do what you want to do. It, it's it's overkill now yeah. mm-hmm. to come and say like we have all this old stuff. We're gonna do a Kickstarter campaign for a book or like no, a right. CD, yeah. and then have all that put it up, up on just, your website. Right, it just yeah. feels I, yeah, that feels shitty. Like yeah. Especially given, I don't, you know, there's a lot of hubbub about Kickstarter right. in general and their corporate practices right now, yep. and like, um, I don't know. It's just a that leaves it's me good. with kind of a bad feeling from Simon doing doing that. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: it's a, it is interesting, like why they continue to use Kickstarter. Like, is the is the? It's almost like as a marketing tool. Is it that that platform? Like, they get enough out of that platform. Versus you look at like what Stonemeyer did. Like, yeah. he totally left because he's like, I'm but what does he do? Like he still does the pre-orders and how did that uses the same kind of mechanism to make sure he knows what the demand is and prints the right amount and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Like CMON could do the same thing and they wouldn't be giving the, whatever that percentage to Kickstarter yeah, I, over the time. It feels like again, or is it again in their mind, maybe it's like, Hey, this is uh, uh, something that a core competency that we don't need to have
0: in terms of pre well, stuff yeah, and stuff. It, it removes, of it. it removes a lot of the risk, Yeah, but, instance, but I, I don't know how much yeah. risk they have at this point. Right. Uh,
2: well, and they say they could do. It feels like they could do their own pre-order system yeah. to accomplish the same thing yeah. and get rid of the risk. But yeah, maybe so I, I maybe agree with you. A that's kind of discussion for another day. But that that strikes me as
0: just it, uh, you're not you're not funding yeah. any like yeah. work. Like no, printing right. a book right. is cheap. Making a CD, an audio track. Right. Doing doing a new like, game is one thing. Yeah. Right. It's it's you can kind of the give them the a artist. Like, right. Yeah, but. Yeah. Yeah, but, no, I
1: mean, and it totally looked. I
2: mean, basically, it's like, well, we have to, you know, it's, you had to have some new pro, yeah. new thing to well, do. kickstart. I'm going to kickstart
0: my garage sale, and the new thing is going to be I'll sign a poster and send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it sounds. It sounds like a yep. big company saying we're going to clear out all the old crap from our basement. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. You have to do away. a
2: soundtrack. You can do a CD. Th- you could sing. Yeah. You record a record. Yeah. Shame on you, Simon. Yeah, yeah. But we like this next thing.
1: Yes, we do. Yeah,
0: it, who, who's all in on this? Sea King's I think, Malice. Well, I, I backed in and said, hey guys, one day left. Mm-hmm. And I think you guys remembered to then back it or had backed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, so um, kind of the, I don't know, underwater adventure uh, by Frog God Games for 5Ed and what was the other system? um I like Pathfinder, wasn't it? Was it Pathfinder? Mm-hmm. No.
0: It's like Sword and Sorcery oh, so excited, or like OSR, one of the yeah, old, like...
1: something like that. Well, and and Elena Danner did the cover mm-hmm. art for Sea Kings Malice. So that's awesome. Um yeah, so they they sent us the PDF. I, I haven't really dived in, dove into it yet, but I uh, kind of flipped through it a little bit. Um but it, yeah, it sounds like um books are on a slow boat from China. So, at least that's I think that was the last update so uh but yeah the the pdf is cool there's a lot of really good stuff in it and it's huge so I'm kind of excited I'm kind of excited
0: we'll uh we'll have to do a full review of it later because i think we'll we'll have some good point counterpoint because um it was help me with i can't think of his name now game hole alex alex Cammer yeah. uh wrote it um and I, I think I was expecting more than I feel mm. like I got like I've read the adventure. So it would be fun like to actually read yeah. it and do a little and review. do like a review of it because I think we'll have some some differing differing yeah. opinions. Sure, which is always yep. fun when you have differing opinions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, kickstarting. I'm gonna kickstart episode 39 um, and the new thing is going to be the new episode you get, but I'm gonna start a campaign for our next mm. episode. It sounds awesome. Sounds good. Cool. All right, speaking of episodes, other items of geekery and stuff. Um I recently uh was on Twitch for my first time, which was really cool. I did a uh live stream Dungeons and Dragons with um with Andrew, Mr. Math.
1: It was your second time. Um uh, wasn't your game streamed on Twitch?
0: Oh uh, Honest and, Wargamer yep. from from Nashcon. Yeah. <laughs> it's your second time. Yeah. I wasn't really you know, like talking though in no, that doesn't one. Matter. You, were, you were on much. there. I could yeah, see your hands and stuff. Yeah. Um okay. So my first time uh with a microphone, um, really like where I'm paying attention. <laughs> Did a live stream D and D on uh Mr. Maff's uh Twitch stream with Bryce and uh, Fletch, Austin and uh Brandon, another guy that's in Andrew's regular D and D group is like D and D modern played like six hours, had a lot of fun, but kind of zany adventure. Um, <laughs> uh, it was, it was entertaining though. We had a blast. Um, and then I also, he's been doing this, uh, podcast kind of talking head style, um, AOS, uh, podcast on, on his Twitch. He broadcasts live interact with the chat calling it the Rantcast. Then he'd put it up on like the the video on YouTube the next day, and now he's actually put on a whole bunch of different podcast things. But I was on Rantcast episode nine where we um, we talked a lot about tournament uh, why you go to tournaments. There's an Australian guy, um, Peter Atkinson, uh, Plastic crack, or Crack, mm-hmm. Plastic Crack, that wrote a blog post about why you go to tournaments. So we spent a lot of, a lot of time talking about just. The mindset and that it's not only to go play on the top tables and and win like that's certainly a motivator, but um, you know what your expectations are what you get out of it. And it was it was a fun, you know, fun discussion. And then we talked about some D&D and we're both, um, you know, storytellers in, in a way and uh, had a really nice conversation, a lot of fun interacting with the chat. It was just a cool forum to to really share some thoughts and, and talk. So check out his uh, his Twitch um, he's doing a, a marathon this month. Every night he's broadcasting either AOS content or playing like spooky video games. Um, people drop in and, and chat. He's doing some giveaways. So um, Mr. Meff on on Twitch, you can find his Twitter handle that we've talked about too in the past at Mr. Underscore Meff. But give him some love. Check him out. Um, it was certainly really cool to participate and, and hang out with him. Um, speaking of other cool things going on in the AOS community, um, right now, uh, there is a worldwide escalation league that Bryce, um, so Moose Geek and Tristan, uh, affectionately called Tomb King Tristan at Tristan Gray. Mm-hmm. Um, on Twitter have organized it's a narrative um, escalation league with people all over the place so focused on building the narrative putting together you know, a unit here or there so October is the narrative for your army and your general um, November will be like you know, one of your battle line units and then if you can get your local stores involved your local community there's like 55 people in the discord we'll try to get the discord link out there or at least mm-hmm. direct yep. to, to the twitter uh, chains where it's at but it's heavy narrative. It's people from all over. It's really cool seeing some of the Australian guys, Canada, the U.S. I think a couple of the British guys are are in. So it's it's really becoming this kind of worldwide um, uh, community thing, which is is pretty cool.
2: Cool. I should join that so I can get my Sylvaneth back and running. And
0: so so the and the intent is it'll be about a six month thing. It'll be. You build a 2,000-point army in time for right around Adepticon. Mm-hmm. So maybe the the goal would be, you know, get some games. Adepticon's kind of the mecca for miniature gaming, at least in the U.S., and, and people coming from all over. So a good opportunity to have an army ready for Adepticon uh, to, to participate or get some narrative battles in with um, with whoever else is, is there.
2: So... I, Landmine, tweeted out, I think it was over the weekend, and actually, Ty, I think you retweeted it, which is when I saw it also, uh, was Nikki Sullivan, and I think for this is like the second or third year, she's been doing Extra Life. Um, she's a miniature painter uh, that she streams on Twitch and um, seen her stuff around it, like Adepticon and things like
1: that. Um, she's got Sullivan Studios with her and her husband. Yep. yep. Um, yeah,
2: really cool stuff that they're But she's doing Extra Life. Um, uh, fundraiser uh, and the landmine has donated a whole bunch of stuff and he's actually got some sales going on on his site where if you if you kind of buy certain things uh, he's basically donating uh, part of those proceeds end up going to the Extra Life thing so uh, believe it or not he had some stuff that I might have wanted on there <laughs> um, so I threw some, some things on there um, and then but I, yeah I'd encourage I think he's kind of continued to do that for the next couple weeks uh, and I think is doing stuff to kind of for the next couple of weeks, where she does stuff in her live stream and gives things away, and continues the group for, for extra life. And extra life uh, is, uh, charity, if you're not aware, a charity for local children's hospitals, um, kind of all over the country. And you can kind of tag for what kind of hospital, hospital that you want to go to. And so I mean that's a, a cause that's uh, kind of close to to to, to me. Um, you know, when my daughter was born; she spent her first couple weeks uh, at Children's here, and. I we're lucky that she's totally healthy, but you look at some of the other families that are there and people there and just the staff at the, the children's hospitals, amazing nurses and doctors and everything else like that. So something that I'm always very happy to give back to and, and continue to, to support. So you can do it. If you want to spend some money or just throw some money at Nikki, uh, yeah, encourage that.
1: Awesome.
0: Very cool. Um so there's there's a lot going on in, in the community and I, I think one of the things that, you know, I just to 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 wax on this topic a little bit, wax poetic is it? I don't know what I'm waxing on. <laughs> waxing off Mr. Miyagi. Um but I I've seen that a lot over the last few months. Um so Speaking of extra life and charity, today is also uh, World Mental Health Day, like kind of awareness just about that. But the community we've got here, there's a lot of really great people um, and really open people. Um, You know, Mini Stomp being just such a great proponent of it. Um, Bryce, Tristan, Nikki, all all these people that we kind of already talked Mm -hmm. about, Andrew. Um, It's cool to see this kind of web of how people are connected and what, you know, gamers Mm -hmm give back which is is a pretty common thread from what we see um so you know today of all days it's it's cool just to see people doing good out there and and those acts of kindness that it can it can be a little a little dark as you head into the fall so it's yeah. nice to get a little a little bit of sunshine here and there um speaking of sunshine Joe Abercrombie's new book hit like a ray of sunshine (laughs) in September. uh, A little hatred. A little hatred. Um, I'm actually reading it and then listening to it, or listening to it, then reading it. So I'm doing both concurrently. So I'm getting it twice. uh, So I'm not as far as I should be through it, but I'm like doing the read a chapter, go back and listen to it. Because Stephen Pacey is amazing on Audible. Stephen
2: Pacey is amazing. Again, I think I've said before, my favorite narrator. Um, because it's a performance. Yeah, right? like it's a performance. And, th- Josh, this is you listen on one. You yeah, listen you at normal. So you up. don't speed this up. Stephen Pacey, you put it on one. You listen normal, and you and you just soak it in. So yeah.
0: So a little hatred. We're not going to do the right. full review. Um, but it advances the storyline from his first law books and some yep. of those other books. About twenty five years. Yep, it feels yep, like, yep. um, roughly, uh, and the the world is looking at an industrial revolution of sorts so you have this like dark gritty medieval <laughs> fantasy world meeting this steampunk yeah. era not steampunk but like industrial Industri- age.
2: yeah it just yeah it's been the
0: the yeah. whatever growing of some different kind of civilization which has been interesting so yeah, it's it's uh, loving that, though. And I made the mistake. I'm I'm reading, like, four books at one time again, uh, and I finally just powered through and finished Shotgun Arcana, mm-hmm. which is, like, Weird West, R.S. Belcher. There's one more book in that series that's out. Um, I'm reading Chuck Wendig's The Wanderers. I'm reading Sam Sykes' Seven <laughs> Blades in Black, still, like, trying to get these things done. So right. yeah, it's a lot of reading.
2: And I have dove back into Children of Ruin, which is a sequel to children of fate from last year and uh just uh i don't know a few hours into that listening pages. children of time oh, children yeah. of time I think. okay yeah. yeah children of time the um T- he, or yeah whatever. adrian chosky yeah. yeah. okay um and it it, it it takes um again it it's the same kind of universe from there so it was interesting to see how it Started out a little bit, and I wasn't sure where it was going to go, and then I'll hit the spot, and I'm like, "All right, yes." <laughs> I mean, so it's going to be interesting how, how it goes. I really like his his books in terms of sci-fi because I can't imagine. Again, I don't know how much like it's hard enough sci-fi, and I don't know how much research he does. Like, there's so much research he wants to do on um, how it kind of different species and animals because he kind of the story all kind of involves on how these things work and language and communication and things like that. So really kind of cool ideas for. For that stuff which i think is why i really get into it because yeah children's time was like my, my favorite book of was that last year year before or whatever it was uh still so be interesting to see what how good this one is and then uh we're coming up to end of the year where we can have the discussion for
0: what was the best the book favorite book of yeah. year. it's
2: interesting this year i don't know yeah i don't know
0: that i'll have any there's a couple in the running but i don't know that there's i've, I've got four that are going to be hard, hard. to yeah. to pick so we'll do that though um also, this is reading. Um, I bought the alternate cover of *Descent into Avernus*, so I love *Baldur's Gate*. The old video games, the the city in the in the Forgotten Realms, *Descent into Avernus*, uh, *Dungeons and Dragons* new book, levels one to thirteen adventure where you end up going into the the nine hells. Um, it's got some really cool um, additions to where *Baldur's Gate* is now in the current timeline. Um, this the city in hell, you know the level of hell like. These different demons, the rules—it's it's just an awesome book. The uh, the design and the art on this one um, is is really solid. So I'm, I'm enjoying my read through this. I had wanted to do this uh, for the campaign, but I was I was outvoted by the players, even though I didn't really vote. But I asked you guys if you wanted to do a new campaign or keep going because yeah, yeah. this was the one that yeah, I was, was good, I was gonna Jared. do for sure if we started something um, new with our Tomb of Annihilation group. So. Um, but I'm I'm enjoying a read. It's it's a it's a good one. We still have options. Yeah, I just need the white party. Us, kills us mm-hmm. all next
2: week and says, "Guess what? Next yeah. week, uh, roll <laughs> up a first level character and go."
1: That's actually what I thought the orc cave was. <laughs> <laughs> He's just gonna yeah put things Send in front us of, of, of us the meat grinder to, and bring if, the ancient if, dragon in behind yeah, and and, see if uh, yeah.
0: yeah how dumb we really are. <laughs> who who followed the banana plan? Oh. How did we miss banana? Oh, I know. Yeah. So, helm of teleportation, Gussie, Tom's uh, gnome cleric, has a helm now of teleportation. And you guys have devised it's our a safe. safe word. Yeah, it's our safe word uh, for teleport um, out of there, and it's banana. Yeah. So, a lot of reference to, okay, when are, are we going to banana now? Banana. <laughs> banana time. Banana. <laughs> banana. <laughs> um, cool. Any, uh, any other audible or. Listening or anything? No, I've been, I've been. You crushed your goal, just, and you were like, "I'm yeah, done." I'm done. I, I, I what books? I, I, took a, <laughs> I took a, I took a minor
1: pause, and I was trying to catch up on podcasts, and I haven't went, went nice. back to books yet. So,
0: any good podcasts? Ah, uh, just the usual. Mm. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break. Then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about Critical Core rituals uh, from the the Kickstarter for Critical Core, the the role playing game um for children uh and educators um that was released sometime this year Welcome back to the show I think it would be cool if um we just start stealing stuff from other podcasts like voices and intros and we make this like Frankenstein's <laughs> monster of a podcast stitched together from all these different things.
1: Awesome.
2: Just take other people's theme music and kind of cut it in. Yeah. As the break music. Yeah, okay. absolutely. That would really like freak people out. Mm-hmm.
0: But actually we are back from our break and it is now time to talk about our main topic, the critical core rituals. So talked a little bit about it, but critical core is a, um, accessible, uh, format for, um, a role-playing game. So it's actually its own role-playing game leveraging, uh, a lot from Dungeons and Dragons and the fifth ed kind of D20 approach. Um, but making it in a very accessible, um, format for, uh, children that are on the, uh, spectrum. So, um, and, and the educators, counselors, teachers, parents that may be facilitating these games. But it's really using gaming as um, kind of a way to connect and, and give them an opportunity to socialize, problem solve, do some of those things, um, and, and also lends itself very well to just kids in general um, that sometimes need that routine and that ability to express themselves in you know a safe environment where they can be creative and overcome obstacles. So Critical Core... Was kickstarted um, and and successfully funded, and as they've developed, they've been putting out kind of their developer insights and updates as they go along in the in the process. Um, and one of them that uh, Troy kind of brought to our attention was they spent some time talking about rituals. Um, r- rituals in general, you know, when we think of role playing games, are um, you know, they're inherent to the experience. When you have a group of people gathering to do anything specifically in this case, role-playing nice. games, you get a lot of that where, you know, you go to the same house, you know, our podcast, the ritual mm-hmm. is we go to Josh's house. <laughs> we sit around and shoot the, you know, shoot the bowl for a while. We get our beers, We get... but there's ritual in these things. Um, and, and in gaming, what the ritual can really do is help things moving in that regular pattern. So, that, that routine and that ritual to sync up the the in this case, the kids with you know that are on the autism spectrum transition and kids in general, I know with our, <laughs> our kids, when you're transitioning from something mm-hmm. to another thing, that can be the point where they go off the rails and and you know, all hell breaks loose, so to speak yeah. at times. So it, it it they talk about it that rituals refer to anything that's regular, repeated in a set precise manner. Um, and that to, to become dysregulated at those gaps is very easy. So the rituals kind of create that consistent experience. Um, so what I think would be important is just reading through what their transitions that are ritualized in this experience, and then we can take some time kind of, you know, that, that conversation about where we practice these and what are some examples in, in our own game. So, yeah. Um, I'll go through the the list and then we'll we'll kind of dive in and break it down for our our own gaming experience So the list of transitions that should be ritualized according to critical core entering the space beginning the check-in concluding the check-in receiving the character sheets and dice recapping the story beginning the play ending the play a series of checkout questions and then ending the, the game session itself and leaving the space. So um, I think that is nine kind of transitions. Uh, we'll take a little bit of time to talk about all of them. Um, now, entering the space, you know, in a traditional gaming group, you're coming into a room sitting at a table together. But what's kind of unique for us in a lot of our role-playing games are, you know, we're, we're doing this online using, you know, Discord or Google Hangout or some type of video chat or chat to To gather so um, you know what, what are some rituals you guys see in this and it could be games you do in person or, or our kind of digital games but entering the space as a, a ritual for getting into the sink of things
2: yeah and I think it's like you said some of it's just like how are people gathering like whether it's the the time right like and and are we waiting for people like sometimes it's waiting for people or or making sure that everybody's there i think sometimes it's interesting in a um and you guys you may have that uh, we were talking we'll probably reference your mage game a lot um like when you're in a, a physical space like is it always like always having the same table and do people always sit in like the same chairs and um, and and some of it could be like who's bringing the snacks and <laughs> mm-hmm. and kind of that, but you know it's always yeah it's kind of having that that ritual around how does the how does the group come together, um, and then and, and right and sometimes if it's and if it's not that's where you can even talk about you know we talk about dysregulation for the kids, but I think as a group, right, you we're trying to get everybody together. Where's, uh, where's Josh? Dang it. Did he fall asleep again? Why isn't he here? <laughs> Why isn't he here? Right. It kind of gets us out of sort until we get track it out or get people down. So, um, I think it's, it's interesting. And I, again, it could be something like a lot of these and what interested me in just this list is I think like when we do it, a lot of these are kind of implicit and like we, they just kind of happen. Um, and sometimes we don't, think about putting, en- putting energy into these things and making them a little more explicit mm-hmm. to make things go a little smoother. Um, and maybe even walking through and just having people realize, hey, they are these things that we need to walk th- that make this a better experience for everybody. Um, and so some of it's just turning kind of the implicit things and putting a little more energy in, making them explicit and just make see things go. So um, so that's Andrew. And then, so the next thing is kind of beginning the check-in. And this is, um, I thought was some interesting stuff that was kind of a little bit unique to what they're doing with the uh with critical core and i think in the check-in they kind of have a list of questions and i think so some of that is again to get you kind of your mindset in there and 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 get pe- the, the you know get kids kind of engaged and make sure that their mind's in the right place and are they ready to kind of be social and walk through. Um, I'm just trying to think, I don't know what we do in like the check-in it might be <laughs> some of that. Maybe just like, Hey, how's everybody doing? Kind of the banter before, before we dig in. Um, I don't know that we do anything uh, explicit to like warm up our role playing, uh, uh, muscles, but.
0: Well, so one, one thing that kind of stands out just with entering the space, beginning the check-in, um, concluding the check-in those first three steps setting the scene in, in the, the digital roll 20 experience for, for me as the, the GM, it's, it's difficult at times because I can't see if I have people's attention and that that's a struggle in, in general, you know, with just playing, you know, online, if, if you're not on video, you're just on, on voice chat or something. Um, so like it, it can be difficult and it can dysregulate, you know, my experience, like what's the starting point, who do I have? So I have to kind of, I don't know if you guys even know this, I kind of verbally confirm, Hey, so-and-so I've got you. All right. Are you in <laughs> roll 20? I kind of do the, like the audio check. And that's for me just to know, do I have everyone? Cause there's nothing more frustrating than like getting 10 minutes in and then somebody's like, Oh, I, I just got back or I missed yeah. that. What like, yeah. um, So like that, that's kind of how I've ritualized it. And he said, you know, our mage game, it is in person and every, you know, you find your chair. If it's, if it's only Jen and Tom and me, you know, Jen sits on one end of the couch. I sit on the other, Tom sits in one chair and Paul sits in a chair. But if Ben's there, Ben sits on the couch. (laughs) I sit in the chair where Paul would sit. Tom sits in the other armchair. Jen's always got her spot, and then Paul shifts over to, like, the Ottoman. So, like, you know, we we have these places, and you sit down, you get ready, you get your dice, your tray table, um, settle in, and then the the check-in for us in that game is, you know, kind of a, all right, um, you know, are, are we good? We talk about the day, talk about whatever, but then it's focus and it's game time. It's not, like, go down these other tangents, so. What is it? I mean, I guess I'm interested in the player, the player experience. You know, from yes.
1: So uh, I was reading through some of the questions, um, uh, the kind of the beginning check-in type questions, and um, and and this is sort of framed in you know kids playing, right? So um, and I think it's sort of geared towards getting them in the right headspace, mm-hmm. which is which is great. You know, um, a lot of the questions were like. Hey, what's your favorite food? What would your character's favorite food be? You know, where's your favorite place to vacation? Mm -hmm. What's you know your character's favorite place? So uh, those type of questions in the in the beginning check in, I think are cool um, to kind of help differentiate yourself from your character self. You know, so I I I I think that's kind of cool um, to help kids put their mind in the right place.
2: Yeah, and I think it actually starts to. And, and maybe i don't know what, exactly what their intention was but i can see where it, for the the player it's bringing the character to life right it's like yeah. i'm sitting down as the pl- as the player and now somebody's asking me some questions from about me but then also about my character and it's kind of slowly bringing that character now kind of waking them up right so that now yeah
1: the character is now kind of there right right and kind of putting some divide between you versus the character you're playing and mm-hmm. kind of showing that in, in those answers. So, yeah, that's, I think that's a really neat way to do it. I would, probably wouldn't have thought of that. Cool.
0: And, and, and yeah, so one of the other things too, ritual itself, um, just the, the word, you know, there's, there's a sense of intention, you know, to, to a ritual, like ritual practice is something you do to, you know, be mindful to, mm-hmm to bring a a level of focus outside of like routine. And I think, you know, I said, get into the routine, but like ritual is very different than routine because there is that, that like creating the moment, you know, to a ritual, like it Mm -hmm. being, it being a thing of honor, respect, like, whereas routine is just something you do all the time. So I I think that's kind of a cool way to think about it is bringing that respect and that intention to your, your gaming. Um, and for the kids it's understanding, you know, this this is playtime, this is fun, but like you're you're doing this for, you know, the character, the the mental exercise, mm-hmm. getting them prepared to to give that attention and that focus to to the experience. Yeah, it's it's
1: meaningful structure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep.
0: So the next
2: couple of things are kind of concluding the check-in, which kind of makes sense. And then that the next one on, on their sheet there was kind of receiving the character sheets and dice. And it, the dice that made me think ties what you were just saying about ritual. Cause I don't know, again, I don't know about you, maybe your mage game again, or some, I know in our D and D we don't because you're, we're virtual. Um, but in the past, like physical, how many players you know have their dice, like their dice and there is a ritual around their dice bag comes I, out and the certain yeah. 20 comes out and the certain, rate, right? And they have mm-hmm. their, um, and their, their spi- miniature and their yeah, miniature, right. Yep. And they all kind of have that ritual of yep. how they, they set that stuff out. For
0: mage, know. I take the, the 10, uh, dice out of the, you know, the plastic Here. container, put them there. Then I have a bag. I put them there. I put all my dice to the zero, the 10 sided <laughs> dice in front of me, like on the, and I, I do every time mm-hmm. I do that in like a diamond type pattern and then i've got them ready but yeah it's it's just like i think so i i know you guys are are sports fans Mm. and have played competitive Mm. sports in the past too like i had rituals when i was a pitcher you know Mm. don't step on the chalk line go out to the mound draw the the letter you know s (laughs) kick it over you know this this many times i'll like you know hit the glove and the Mm. ball like there are these rituals in, in a lot of different things nice. and it's, um, I think, you know, it, it helps kind of center your, your approach. So not to get all like, woo-woo, sure. woo-woo. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, no, no, like meditation I should, before right. I, I, uh, Become a dungeon master. Maybe <laughs> I should. That'll help.
1: But all those all those things kind of help your brain get in the right headspace. Yeah, and, and yeah. especially for kids. But I mean, even even adults. You know, those types of things are, are great to kind of click your brain into the right, yeah, the, my, the right head, head mind space. I guess. Yeah.
0: Um. So the the next one then is recapping the story, and this is really important. Um, and I sometimes I do a better job than this for others. Like if we played recently, but you know, just the last few events where you were setting, setting the scene, so Mm -hmm. to speak to remind everyone, okay, where this is, this is where you got to, this is how you got there. And this is the condition you're in. That's kind of the three things I think of when I'm recapping is I want you guys to remember if you're seriously hurt, depleted so that you don't go charging into a room full of bad guys and get, you know, destroyed. Like, Mm -hmm. Because memories aren't always perfect, yep. right? Um, so you know, having notes, uh, keeping track of where things are at, it you know, it, it helps to to recap and and start off in the familiar ground. Yep. Yeah, and, and especially
1: it, if somebody's not there, you know, the praise. previous
0: week or something, catching them up, I think it's great
1: too. Yeah,
2: yep. And again, I think sometimes, like you said, I think sometimes we do it better than others because like because i because again i think it's because we don't have like an explicit step that says now we're going to recap the story it's kind of like implicitly normally yeah we have like we kind of get radio we're going to start and ty's like oh yeah last time we were doing this um and sometimes we do it and sometimes we don't and and it could be like should we also have stuff like should there be a checklist like you say like hey you guys the last time you took a long rest was it like should there Mm -hmm. be like a couple checkpoints just to like kind of make sure that everybody's on the same page like you said around where because sometimes we just tell the story but we don't remember like did we have a short rest last or not? right Mm -hmm. and then it just sometimes like we'll get into the game and like hold it do i really have these spell slots do i not right um and then that could be an opportunity where if you kind of have that that more of a checklist like yeah here's what we're gonna do make sure everybody's on the same page especially like you do where we do have people that we're not always there every week there maybe there's some oh, nobody falls on. asleep for
0: the last hour right or, like, <laughs> yeah. right or there's there. a case
2: where, again where you're not like you don't have the check-in like you don't know like if somebody <laughs> yeah kind of dropped out early yeah. you may not remember that they weren't there for that last hour yeah. right and stuff like that so
0: oh brendan it's it's all good man <laughs> we all need our sleep <laughs> we all need our sleep Um, then beginning the play, you know, it's, it's kind of, okay, this is when it, it takes off Paul in our mage game always, you know, kind of asks each of us, what are you doing? You know, we don't usually end at like a a cliffhanger in mage. It's kind of like a a downtime or you're recovering or getting a phone call. So it's like, what is your character doing? And that's kind of how we start is, is there any business, um, to, to take care of before the, the action that he may have lined up really kicks off. Um, for us, it's it's kind of like if we're you know at a critical point, it's rolling initiative, it's getting into the the combat where we paused right before, or um, somebody taking the first action. I kind of started this time by forcing a, a countdown. You know, you yeah. guys had your plan, you did something, and then I just yeah. gave you a five count to each character in initiative yeah. order to like you know get get the the engine Throwing running. In. Yep. Um, and. and you know, then the game kinda takes place from from there. And I think that then playing isn't a step in this ritual, mm-hmm. but like, you know, within your game I think there's a lot more ritual than mm-hmm. than even here. And I think the focus in this critical core is the once again back to the points where you can become dysregulated. So recap to beginning play. It's easy to spiral away. Mm-hmm. And then start talking about, oh yeah, that conversation with so and so is so great, or that when you did that, and you you descend away from you know the focus, which okay. is the game, to what had happened previously. So these steps, you know, are important um, to to stay on stay on target, stay focused, keep that regulation. Um, anything on beginning play for you guys as as a player, like the that transition from recap to game start.
2: I don't think I mean I think it It. I think you talk interesting is the different styles right there's can be some time like are you getting into like because I think what's been interesting is when we started where we are at a cliffhanger and then you dive in the action I think it's kind of fun like it's difference between like a movie that starts out like all the action goes uh, and then you kind of get through that first scene and then things and then usually we make it through the combat and then the kind of the rest of the story takes off or is it a case where like you said where you've kind of close the chapter and then you're starting up kind of slow and building up uh, I think there can be two different kind of ways to begin play like, like you said because the way it was interesting like this week like you said we're throwing people in and really getting them like super engaged helped because we were in combat and sometimes if you kind of slow into that it can be fun it can feel a little fumbly because people aren't all really like oh yeah I gotta be ready to go and so the way you kind of press the action was was really
1: interesting in that So, well occasionally too the recap the story and the start play um, sometimes it kind of overlaps like mm-hmm. you know you, you start playing and you're like oh wait w- didn't such and such happen or wasn't there this and that and the other thing yeah. and, and so then there ends up being a little bit of yeah. recap at the start of the play too so um, y- yeah I mean there are definitely two distinct things but yeah it, it can kind of um, hopefully not take people out of it but uh, at, at least clarification type yeah. stuff but yeah
0: And then ending the play, um, you know, it it is important to have an end. You don't want to just kind of people fade out and then it's done. Mm -hmm. So like being, they refer to it as a facilitator, um, game master, dungeon master, whatever you want to call it, the person that's kind of running the game. um, Ending is just as important as where you begin. Um, you're not always based on time constraints, going to be able to hit your marks where you want to, or where you thought you may have, but like, as I'm looking at the clock, if we're in hot and heavy in action, I'm going to try to finish if it, you know, pushes us toward closer to 12, you know, so be it. If, if like, though, I know that something big is coming up, I'll look for that moment. And like, you know, last session, one person climbed the ladder (laughs) <laughs> Shadows rush out of the darkness and that's where I ended it rather than this big fight scene on a rope ladder at a cliff's edge. Like mm-hmm. um, you know, just finding an an appropriate place is part of that ritual, and then, you know you know cl- until next time, whatever whatever your close is, whatever mm-hmm. your fade to black is, that consistency is is important too, so you don't get this real disjointed um experience for a player at, at the end of the session.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so this next part is I, I find, I found this real interesting is they have this idea of checkout questions after you've kind of added, added yeah. play. Um, and like for them, they kind theirs were kind of, and basically they said each player would kind of answer these and, and, as they go around uh, the table. So like what spotlight you'd like to shine on someone else. So basically giving opportunity to give kind of appreciation to another player. The next one was what, what was something challenging about today's session or something you learned um, again, give, let's some kind of say, what was the teaching moment and something else like that. And then the last one is, you know, what is something you predict will happen or looking forward to, to get people excited for that. So I thought that was interesting. And then Ty, you were talking about how that actually, there's kind of an actual mechanic of that in, in Mage, which I found really interesting.
0: Yeah. So, so D and D, which, you know, we talk about most often and, and we're all familiar with, there's really not that end of session, you know, and it, I suppose in some sessions you gain experience, you know, that's kind of the ritual in in some, whereas for me, like I do story-based and, and like, um, you know, kind of achievement experience. So it's not always being awarded, but in, uh, in the storyteller system, so world of darkness, which is more of a troop, you know, group collaborative storytelling focus versus D and D. Um, it, it, you kind of share questions. So you get, in our group, you get a point of experience for just being there. You know, you showed up, you played, you get a point of experience. Then you talk about what was some good role playing and you share, you know, I'll usually write throughout the game. If somebody says something really funny or really cool, or there's a cool exchange, I'll write down a note to myself to use for that um, checkout question, you know, to, to talk about, you know, when Tom said this to Jen about whatever, it was really cool how you two interacted. And Ben, when he did this so there's that exchange and then the third uh, question we talk about is what is something you learn and it's crazy even after three years of playing you're still (laughs) learning and it can be I learned that so and so you know the NPC is actually this big bad evil guy or I learned that this is the way that rule or this sphere of magic works Um, or learned about yourself you know as as a player or as a character Um, and then I don't think this one is is necessarily from the the rule book. There's another question or two, but it's become what was it you know um, what was I think it might be what is heroic something heroic that happened is like the rule book yeah. version. But we talk about you know heroism or cool use of powers. Yeah. Um, you know what, what was something that someone did that really showcased what their character is all about, or and that that's how you're in your experience, and that's how you wrap up every yeah. session. Um, and it's very rare where you know it's two in the morning and paul just says everybody gets four points of experience <laughs> we all role played we all did that yeah. but a lot of time you know the majority of the time probably 95 percent of the time we're having those questions we're having that dialogue and taking 15 20 minutes to kind of digest what happened during the game okay. session so that that checkout is you know uh, an interesting device I, I don't know you know the way they frame it it might work but our D and D group is, is relatively large too from a player count yep. and kind of disjointed by yep. the end of the night. So I, um, you know, it, it may or may not work in every group. Yep. Right. And I think if you're doing a two hour session with kids, yep. it's a different story yep. to reflect, you know, and drive home yep. the, the learning versus a group of seven adults that it's late and we have work the next day <laughs> and we just had a bunch of fun <laughs> and everybody's like, all right, have a good night. Bye. <laughs> um, any anything on on checkout? Because I think the last thing was um, just ending the session and ending. leaving the space, which
2: kind of makes sense. That's like
1: ta da ta da!
2: That's yeah. it. You, Get out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to go home, but you can't
0: stay here. <laughs> Hit the road. Um, but yeah, and and I think in a group with with uh, youth and and children, that is important. The mm-hmm. the game is is done. It's putting away our things. You know, it's going on to the next task, uh, which could be family meal. It could be a chores. You know, whatever it may be, it's transitioning to what comes next. And from a, a, a child standpoint, that is incredibly important. Yeah. You never, want, I, I know I never want to leave my kid without, like, <laughs> here's what's next. Because you don't know what they'll get into if, <laughs> if they're left up to their own devices. Um, true, true. So... Ritual, um, as as a way Mm -hmm. of group management, I think is really what uh, this this is, and they kind of talk about that when they're wrapping up. Is that you know using these tools and devices? What I think is kind of cool too is, and this could just be the the corporate nerd in me thinking about a meeting, you know, structure Mm -hmm. of your meetings and having them be useful, you know, beginning. Getting everyone aligned with mm-hmm. what's going on, going through those questions. Like, there's some of that too in our real world, and and uh, mindful practices in general are are an interesting mm-hmm. topic and worth thinking thinking about. From yeah. how we do it in our gaming to AOS is a very ritualized uh, yeah. experience yeah. for a lot of players. too. Yeah. too. <laughs> like mm-hmm. um, Magic the Gathering, you know, mm-hmm. kind of there there are these things we do in these games to to operate more efficiently which is kind of cool to think about
2: yeah and again my takeaway what i, what I thought was interesting was I, I i think we see that there are all, like, all these games and like even meetings and a lot of social interactions have these rituals um that may or not be that we may not be aware of that they're just kind of happening and and most of the time they work well but if you kind of step back and like actually kind of put a little more structure on it and realize that, Hey, these are things that happen and why they happen. Uh, And then putting kind of that emphasis and energy on to make then making sure that they happen and then things run smoother. Cause I think we kind of go in and we don't really talk about what the social contract is and what are we, and we assume everybody kind of is going to do this. And when one person really doesn't know what the ritual is and they don't do it, that's when we kind of, you know, people are uncomfortable or, or things kind of go south. So I thought it was really interesting how they, and that's what spoke to me about this was like them being very explicit around. And it makes sense when you're dealing with kids that are on the spectrum. Like you do want to have that structure. and You want to make sure that you're doing it the same every time so that they feel comfortable and and they can go through. But again, I think the lesson was that we all can <laughs> can learn from that. So hopefully this is interesting. I thought it was a kind of a interesting uh, conversation. And, and hopefully people can take something away and uh, and do it in some. And again, in everything that you do, there's probably rituals there that you could think about it and focus on a little better.
0: Absolutely. All right. Any closing thoughts on, on ritual or should we do our usual ritual, <laughs> which is we take a break before we dive into our play it or slay it review. And in a spooky cemetery, Three podcasters gathered to do a Play It or Slay It review for their Halloween special. <laughs> <laughs>
3: you guys Function. you guys Function. like how
0: I'm really trying to force us down this like yeah. spooky October episode?
1: Josh did special effects. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> he said he wasn't <laughs> going to do it. And he yeah, didn't. he did. I didn't add him in, though. So what
0: is kind of spooky about this Play It or Slay it is the name of the thing we're talking about. Dungeon Fog.
1: Like, it that is, sounds scary. That is kind of scary. Yeah.
0: Fog of War, you know, Dungeon Fog. I think it's kind of cool. Dungeon Fog, though, is a web-based uh, map-making um, tool, software. I don't know what to call it. Web-based map-making uh, tool. Programming that sounds tool. good. Web-based, yeah. yep. Um, and it has a um, number of maps that each user can, like, save. It gives you a asset library, even when free, that's capped at, you know, a certain number of megabytes. Um, You can bring in your own images or your own files. And then there are different tiers. There is a monthly uh, subscription cost, which is about $5. There's an annual, which is 50. So you're saving a little bit. Um, Or there's a commercial license you can purchase where you could then, I think, theoretically sell your maps um, that you make from it. So, you know when you look at roll 20's marketplace and some of the the maps that are created there like if you wanted to make a bunch of maps and then sell them on the roll 20 marketplace as long as you're using the dungeon fog um, commercial license sense. you can you can do that um, the uh, the website is dungeonfog.com um when you go on, you can see some videos of what it's all about. They've also done a series of how-to videos on YouTube. One of the designers that are very useful just to learn the basics. Um, but ultimately, I know I showed you guys the website. I have been using this personally. So, spoiler alert: you know, I I, I might be saying play it. Um, <laughs> but I've been using it and and just playing around with the different. Um, the different tools, the different assets. And then, um, there's a number of way you know, building walls, adding doors that snap to the grid. It's, it's very intuitive controls. So, um, I know you guys haven't had a chance to like build maps and, and use it quite a bit, but, uh, any initial thoughts on kind of the, the layout of the tool, how things are set up the website experience. I think this is a, a market that's needed something
1: like this. So, um, I, I, think there's a lot of little tools that do similar ish stuff, but this kind of puts a lot of that together, um, and, and makes it accessible and makes it, I, I don't want to say easy, but brings a lot of pieces together that, um, uh, yeah, I, I guess ease of use is there, right? Uh, they, I, just as a, a little tip of the cap too, they, they did a, uh, they wanted any, um, which is the end world RPG awards, uh, any's, sh- uh, they won silver. So, uh, obviously people are recognizing them for being cool. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 looking at kind of the depth of what they can all, what you can all make with this is just, I don't know. I, this is exactly what, um, a dungeon master would want, uh, if you're creating your own own world for sure.
2: Yeah. And I think web-based is where they went, right? Like, like yeah. you said, they've been like tools, but they were all probably download and they had pieces and stuff, but web-based and you can have access to all the different library stuff to build different things and they can continue to add to it. And um, I think, yeah, I think that's what really, and, and the fact that they have a free version that you can get a, a pretty good mileage out of, yeah. right. means that you can use it, you know, if you're, only need a few maps or something quick you can definitely you do, can that. do up to three maps for free or something yeah, yeah. and like, then and then yeah. odds are quickly you're gonna be like oh okay it, and it like you're saying five bucks a month like that's nothing right that's Eight, like right. okay if you're doing anything yeah. you're gonna a get, of get your money back right yeah now.
0: i guarantee i have spent more than 50 dollars buying tile mm-hmm. sets in roll 20 or buying things mm-hmm. like throughout the last few years each year mm-hmm to try to get pieces of maps to put together. Right. So like I I look at the, the cost as it's either I'm on the roll 20 marketplace, buying a bunch of things and taking time in a, in an interface that is not necessarily designed to build maps. It's, you know, import import images, use them. Um, whereas this is designed to make maps. Um, there are multiple levels. You can add like, levels to the maps and then ghost it over so you can see where your stairs go up, put a stairway there, like connect the, the levels, you know, title each level upstairs of the inn, main level, you know, cellar, whatever, and then easily flip between them. Um the grid is entirely customizable. So you can do one inch squares, you can do hexagons, you can change, you know, is it straight lines? Is it dotted lines? Is it um and then the thing thematically, uh, the assets they have, you know, fantasy. You go to like surface, and you have rocks and snow and water and mud and ruins and spaceship decks. Like the textures are just it's it's pretty yeah. crazy how um, how much there is. And then when you're designing your wall, it can be below ground, it can be regular building, it can be cave, so you get the rough edge uh circles curved or straight lines and you can change the grid size to have more of those points you know so you can go quickly from your five foot square down to like 10 you know squares within that five foot square so you can get more angles on your walls and create more natural looking Mm -hmm. caverns and patterns um you can do it all on the fly so um and then they have dynamic lighting you know, objects like braziers or torches cast light. You can set the distance, the warmth of the light. Do they cast shadows? Uh, do they intersect with objects? You know, there's there's just an ambient lighting. You can adjust, like, the whole tonality of the map on the fly. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy the level of detail yeah. and depth that you can get out of a web-based tool. And I was thinking I would not be able to get that when I started looking at it, but um, I saw a tweet from a guy that was starting the DM a game and he said, yeah, I'm trying to design maps for the module in about two hours. I built all the maps I need, you know, out of the book, just drawing it myself, recreate like some of the D and D book maps in this tool to then import into roll 20. Uh, and I was like, this is pretty cool. So I started playing around with it for free. And after two hours I bought the, uh, <laughs> the $50 <laughs> subscription. So, um, so, no. cool
2: so I just want so you talked about dynamic lighting so that so you can actually create it here and then that imports in the roll 20 and does it take advantage of their dynamic it, lighting stuff or? it
0: doesn't take advantage of the roll 20 oh. API okay. um, but your map can be lit in a way that you can easily identify those points of light okay. and shadow to draw the lines once you import it to roll 20 oh, okay. so you're, you're doing okay. roll 20s dynamic lighting you're ultimately drawing room lines okay. and then placing light and showing where it goes but these maps have that in a way on it where you can set the, the lighting in each room. Um, as the, and then as you reveal the map, you know, that light changes just, given what's in the room or what's ambient. Okay. Um, and then the roll 20 API, you can, you can add that to like the token. So that person with a torch goes in and cast okay. their own light, but you can identify where those lines are okay. easier. Um, import everything cyberpunk modern i mean the settings that you can do in the i was just kind of blown away um there's a there's a brush tool where you can set the opacity really low and adjust the softness so like i put my wood flooring down but then i did like dirt or dust and i did patches with like it's almost like you're airbrushing over Mm -hmm. the texture you try to to show (laughs) but yeah i mean truly you set your opacity really Mm -hmm. low and you can create a dirty corner Mm -hmm. or you can show you know you do that then you do another lighter layer to show what where the scuff marks are like high traffic areas so you can you can do all these crazy things to make the maps just look a little bit cooler um poor man's photoshop (laughs) yeah. <laughs> well, and, and the layers, you can just like in Photoshop where you can build the layers on like the one level of the map, you can have layers within this um, and then put everything on the one layer or move them up and down layer to layer, bring things to the front, to the back. So, um, Well, and, and I, I was just kind of leafing through here. There's there's tons
1: of pre-made items, too. So there's like coffins and weapons and rugs and Tables and uh, tons of stuff that, it, it, so you don't have to
0: like recreate the wheel. You know, you well, you can just import these things. Yeah, I showed you the other night. I showed you the tavern um, mm-hmm. that I designed in here, and all of those um, tables, benches, the hogsheads, the the windows, the door, that all came from the, the Dungeon Fog asset library. That's like, awesome. I imported nothing. It was all just from uh, from the site, the tool. That's really cool.
2: Cool. So it seems like there's also, I don't know if you've used that, like you can add notes and stuff like that, or is that more of like if you're using, and then they have their own viewer. So again, we've been talking about the roll 20 use case, but even if
0: you're, some people play their game in dungeon fog. So you can use tokens and bring the maps to player view and have your GM notes. When you export the map files, you can have your notes, you know, for this area at a label, and I, I think it might even be clickable, like a tooltip, where if you go into that room, bring forward what your notes are for that room as you're running a game in Dungeon Fog. Um, I've just done the export for like an image to overlay into Roll Twenty, um, but you 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 can play within the the Dungeon Fog website.
2: So when you cut a hole in your table, Josh, and put the L, the TV. Under there, then we'll yeah, play you, can, in there. you can yeah just display the cool thing in there.
1: So. <laughs> we'll do that.
0: Um, and, and so they kickstarted back a couple years ago. I think we said mm-hmm. 2017 was the Dungeon Fog Kickstarter. They recently closed their um what they refer to as Project Deus, which is a world building suite. So it unites kind of Dungeon Fog with city maps and world maps. They they have some elements of this where in Dungeon Fog you could do like a wilderness battle map, but it would be tough to do like continents and cities. Mm-hmm. Um you you certainly could, but it's really designed around rooms and caves and halls. So um Project Deus, though is more of a expansion of Dungeon Fog to allow somebody to build their world maps, do city streets, do you know all of these things. Um, and it's successfully funded re- recently. so
1: Cool. Yeah, it uh, seems like a ne- next evolution backup. step. That, that's cool. Very nice. Uh,
0: and there, there's nothing to stop you from doing it for free. I think even with the free membership, you can export your maps. Once you export stuff, obviously, you can't go back and edit it. But if you do the, the plan where you're paying for it, you can always have more maps and more storage. Save your map file go back and edit it, adjust it you know move some walls around and you've got a whole new <laughs> a whole yeah. new encounter ready to go. Um, so price point five dollars a month or fifty dollars for the year um, or free if you just want to dabble. Um, any questions or final thoughts before the the ultimate answer as to would a player play it or slay it? Well I'll just say um,
1: coming kind of from a software background, I always like to see tools like this, like have a, you know, limited, free entry point where people can play with it and actually like, you know, kick the tires, uh, so to speak. So I I think it's great that they're doing that and allowing folks to play with their product before they, you know, decide whether or not they want to pay for the enhanced version. So uh, good on you, Dungeon Fog.
0: Anything else? From I'm good. I'm ready to crush my hopes and dreams. Yep. Okay. Give, give my verdict. Well, let's <laughs> start with you, Troy. Are you going to play it or slay it, Dungeon Fog?
2: Um, I am going to. I did sign up for a free account, so I think that's at least dip my toe in. You're in the play door. Play with it, yeah. yeah. And, it, it, and part of it will be whether I would buy it would be am I do I have a reason to kind of run more maps or something else like that? Or, um, like you said, I think there's enough, there's a lot here to get um, a lot of traction with just the free version. And yeah. I was even thinking of like, what do I need? Ma- yeah, sometimes it's maps for
0: uh, Space Hulk stuff. I was going to say like, where I yeah. could see this being useful with the yeah. sci fi um, textures yeah. and stuff is like a Space Hulk map to yep. like print out, right. or um, you know, you're running a convention mm-hmm. game and you need a couple battle yeah. maps yeah. quickly. Um, get one of these laminate it. you know, it's, there's some, some use there for other things than like online play of, of D and D or something.
2: Yep.
1: All right. I'm playing it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to play it too. I, I think, like I said earlier, this is definitely a space that, um, needs something like this. And I think it's great. um, I, I personally wouldn't pay for it right now because I'm not running anything, but yeah, if I was ever running a game or needed it for, like you were saying, some sort of convention game or something like that, uh, yeah, absolutely, you know, pay five bucks and make up, make some maps or, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to start running a game more regularly, maybe I pay for a year. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think it's, I think it's a great tool.
0: I've. I've clearly already paid for it, so I'm I'm playing it. I thought you were going to slay it. (laughs) You always slay it. Um, What is going on? I'm playing it definitely for the year. (laughs) Um, And I find myself, what's kind of crazy is uh, tonight after I did show notes, and I threw this on there just as a topic for us, I started making a map, and I'm like, oh, this is kind of (laughs) fun. And I got like two or three rooms of a cave system and tunnels and playing with different archways and doors (laughs) and you know spider webs and mushrooms, like making an underdark, like cave system um just having having fun yeah. with it like building maps is something that is usually a chore yeah um and takes me a lot of time this has made it accessible and like fun to to map um which is never usually the case for me so uh dungeonfog.com um project Deus kickstarter wrapped up recently i don't know if you can still get in on it um but we will uh we will hit, hit this up on Twitter as well because um, they do have a Twitter handle that's pretty responsive to community. Like when somebody mentions them, you know um, somebody had put this up on Twitter originally, and I just want to share this. And I commented and asked, you know, about how easy it is to import into world 20 or export. And I said, Oh yeah. Export is a PNG, whatever the dungeon fog uh, Twitter handle chimed in and said, you can also do it as a JPEG. We recommend that it's easier to implement and to, to adjust within roll 20 or something like that. Like within an hour, like there's, there's just a really good um, relationship with, with their users and and their customers. That that's was pretty cool to see um, and helped me make my decision to like, go ahead and do it. Cause there are other ones out there that you can buy. um, And there are other free ones that you can use, but this one kind of, did everything a little bit better Mm -hmm. um, and in a nicer package. So dungeon fog. All right. Now comes the point in the horror movie where we run upstairs to investigate the noise.
1: I'm going to run downstairs.
0: (laughs) And we talk about the wrap up and BOD news and events. So, Dragonfall, October 25th through the 27th, Troy will be going to play Warhammer 40k, the other GW game.
2: On the 25th, and then there's also, I think, the Team AOS tournaments that day, and then there's the GT over the weekend on the 26th. 27th. And you're playing in all of those events? No, I'm not. No. Just, No. I'm probably
0: just going to go down for the the Friday. All right. Same weekend, uh, other part of Northern Illinois, RockCon is going on in Rockford. Um, I think Dan usually goes to Rockford. I don't know if he's yep. doing that again yeah, this year. Yeah, I think so. It's like he, his he, goes play, or right, he goes and plays right. Yeah. He goes and plays role
2: playing games at the, yeah. uh, at the Metric Mansion. Whatever works, <laughs> that's good.
0: <laughs> so, so you maybe you'll see Dan from uh, Cubic Shenanigans at RockCon. Um, the weekend after that, in Madison, GameholeCon, the best little big convention in the world uh i know troy you're gonna be there i think for a day
2: yeah i think at least uh yeah at least be out there for the weekend in some form are you doing a day or two josh
0: yeah i'm definitely bringing the kids
1: on the 31st they're having a treating treating. (laughs) yep so uh they have off school that day so i was was like like, oh oh, yeah yeah, we're going out um and then yeah probably one of the weekend days um yeah so yeah
0: Awesome. I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. Um, Holy Havoc, which we'll also talk about November 2nd to the 3rd, is that kind of same weekend, Saturday, Sunday, at Steve Herner's Narrative Doubles event that Bryce and I are playing in. I'll um, be going down to that Friday night, so the question will be, do I go Thursday um, to game hole and take off work, or do I go Friday during the... Edit? It seems like a lot of driving for, for just a little bit of yep. game hole, but we'll see. Um, and then I'll be at Holy Havoc. Also happening November second is a listener wedding. So mm-hmm. Stu Giant Among Minis is getting married November second down in uh, in Nashville. So congratulations because we probably won't be recording again before that time. Um, but Stu is just a all around great guy, um, a listener, and he did uh, he did share a, a photo. He actually has plane and slaying, um stitched into the inside of his jacket uh, for his wedding. <laughs> yes, it was so, awesome. Uh, very cool to see but congrats to him yeah. and his uh, future wife so um if you're in nashville go crash a wedding i don't yeah. know where but i'm sure Stu will invite you along so <laughs> uh and then in the middle of january in the cold winter months milwaukee's midwinter gaming uh convention january 9th through the 12th that is 2020 uh barbara walters won't be there but several rpg games and uh Tabletop games will be available I, I at the Hilton you, I downtown. I sued you did there, Ty.
2: I don't, I don't. It'll be interesting how many other listeners get that. Wabawadas? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and I but put I, you down. <laughs> oh, man.
0: Whoa! We are crushing <laughs> it. Good job, guys. But
2: so I threw winter on there because it feels like that sneaks up on us all the time. And also we're like, oh, that's next week, and then we don't do as much with it. it it's, uh, what, uh, it's a cool little convention.
0: What's well, a few weeks after that? Wapaca. The last one, um, Wapaka is a AOS event, a uh, two-day tournament up in Wapaka, Wisconsin. Gets people from all over, 60 to 75 players or so. I don't know the exact numbers. Um, have you signed up yet, Josh? I have not. Oh, man. but I'm, I, I, You got to. Yeah. yeah. You got to join. You got to. Uh, Troy signed up for it, which is awesome. Yep. So Troy will be I will, there with I'll, his yep, silviness. I'll get
2: my trees. That's my motivation
1: to get them back on the table. So Roge is wapaka it in? <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: yes, he is. Right. So it will be the last uh, Um There may be another event, you know, in the future in the middle of Wisconsin uh, that gets uh, built and, and run by somebody because it is a huge event. Um, I think it's the same weekend as LVO, so it's like either end of January or early February. I forget which exact date it is, but I think it's – in that range, right around the Super Bowl. We, we will have that information yeah, we'll, by we'll next put time here hear from us. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that is upcoming news and events. Check us out at a few of the shows, tournaments, whatever, um, and, and say hi. We'll be the guys wearing Basement of Death or Plane and Slam t-shirts and you will be the guys or gals coming up buying us beer. Uh, um, also, please leave us a review on iTunes. We love it. I haven't had one in a while. I'm looking forward to our next uh, iTunes review. Somebody can leave some (laughs) colorful language and and tell us what we're doing. Uh, Find us on Facebook. Join the 36 other people that follow us on Facebook um, and and say hi. Uh, Check us out on Twitter at Play and and Show. And then, of course, Troy's amazing website, basementofdeath.com, with all of our episodes get posted there. Show notes, which are always fun to, to look at and read and see what I said will be in the show notes that isn't or vice versa. <laughs> I think Troy does it to troll me sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and then you can email us when you find those, uh, those clerical errors There's and omissions, yes. uh, tie at basement of com. Josh, Troy, info intern, all at basement of death.com. Happy Halloween, everyone. Hope you enjoy watching, uh, some scary movies, handing out candy, scaring neighborhood children, whatever it is that you do on Halloween. And, uh, Keep the dice rolling, the drinks on ice, and no matter what, keep playing and slaying. This is a live play. Like, We're changing. Uh, playing and slaying is now actually a live play D anD D podcast <laughs> where we we play D anD D and we slay monsters. It this is my favorite it. part of the show. It I can't when, get it. when Troy Dad tries to record.
1: Oh, that one's like live.
0: All right. So Josh is Josh is playing Bildo, the halfling bard. Troy is playing Aragam the half elven ranger it's a two player session a bard and ranger mm-hmm. and you two are traveling across the realm of gormor um, to seek out mount boom where you must throw the 12th uh, necklace into the the lava I shoot two arrows but you're the bard you're supposed to sing, yep. s- sing the songs I, st- I steal his you steal, his, I steal his bow
1: and I shoot two arrows at him
0: I'm gonna need you to roll initiative. Okay. Twenty one. That's the dice hitting the <laughs> table. <laughs> it
1: sounded like somebody's at the door. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Twenty-one. All right. Troy Josh has rolled a twenty one for Bildo, the halfling okay. bard. He is shooting two arrows. What do you, what is your initiative? Uh
2: eighteen.
0: Eighteen. His arrows are going first. Who are you shooting at? Uh, him. And what is your roll to hit? 37. That's very high. I believe you might be cheating.
1: I'm a plus 17. Oh, wow. I You're cra- very good I at cra- shooting as cra- yep. a bard. Yeah, but it missed. That was
0: without bardic inspiration, yes. Um, um armor class, it happens to be a 39. Yeah. Oh, wow. I thought it was 40,
2: actually. I got a, I got a plus one.
0: Yeah. He has a ring of um, arcane armor mm. protection. That ups his ac by a number necessary to miss hits it seems good yeah he he had it uh custom made by the wizard um Lafgan, that uh <laughs> he met in in the town um outside of the the district um the halfling community it's called the district district seven in fact <laughs> Good. It's you different. went in. You went into yeah. the inn, and that's where you met Aragorn. Uh-huh. He was sitting in in the front by the bar, um, in a very welcoming pose. He actually he actually was entertaining a group of people with stories of the urban streets that he roams. Mm-hmm. And he has reforged a plow, um, like a, a implement for farming. Yeah. that he wields as his blade.
1: Badass.
0: Yeah. We need Bryce here for like a third. No, it's a two player game. Oh. Um, oh. Yeah. You each will have a um, companion that will join you, um, but they're hired, they're hench- henchmen, oh. hirelings, uh-huh. so they won't be very good, um, and they'll die a lot. Can Bryce be my companion? No, Bryce isn't allowed to play with us because he. Um, He's too busy podcasting all the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Then the monsters come and you both die. <gasps> oh, they don't no. need to roll to hit. They auto-hit. They are supreme um, beings of the witch queen of uh Nab Mar. <laughs> What's her name? Um, it is, it is Loran. It's a sister to uh, Sauron. Sor, Sor, <laughs> Wait, like the one from Lord of the Rings?
1: No, Sauron?
0: no, the one from Redwall. Oh, good. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna keep doing this every week. We'll do another adventure. Okay. It'll be a live play, playing and being slayed. What? A live we'll play have to deal roll up new, new characters. Yeah, because no, we, we, we just died. died so so new yeah. yeah, you'll need new characters for next. Because what are
2: we, we're trying to get this ring to the mountain. No, it's the twelfth
0: necklace 12th that you necklace. have to get to the fires of Mount Boom. Okay, I, I'm just before it explodes. Yeah, we're no, just, before it corrupts you oh. and you become a um, a creature that likes to call things uh, that are important to him names and talk to himself. Mm -hmm. in the darkest reaches of tunnels where um led zeppelin will write songs about him nice i Mm -hmm.
1: have a i have a better plan though i have a plan for next week can i call it my my pretty
0: um no you can call it my special uh my special someone or my special item Uh or the thing that means a lot to me but you can never refer to it (laughs) as my precious because that is trademarked right right what about
1: what about my my lovely
0: sure As long as you don't say "my precious," right?
1: "Pretty" is okay though.
0: Yeah, my pretty, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you can't say it like uh, Andy Serkis' voice. You have to keep it different, preferably monotone, and very. um, Could be like like (laughs) my pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be really great if you did that. I'll do that every time. So next time, you don't have to be Bildo, the halfling bard. Thank God, but you can be Philip. Um, the halfling uh, barbarian. Wow. Mm -hmm. Troy's character next time is going to be um, saucer. The saucer.
1: Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And his baby dragon teacup.